Hello and welcome to this episode of Totally 80s and 90s Recall. If you're new to the podcast, we're so glad you're here. And for returning listeners, thank you so much for your support. Do you remember playing Atari or listening to a Walkman? Maybe using your dial-up internet to log on for the first time? Or perhaps the most famous zip code in the world, 90210? If so, this is the podcast for you. I am one of your hosts, David Ole, along with my good friend Robert, Mr. Rob McCracken. Welcome back, Rob. Hey, Dave. Uh, I'm excited for today. Um, when I was doing the uh, putting together my material, lots of uh, iconic material from uh, from the era. Um, the word "immortalized" in pop culture came up, and I was wondering. I'm putting you on the spot. Um, if your likeness was been would were to be turned into a statue, in what pose would you like to be immortalized? In what pose would you be immortalized? That is a interesting question because I've never thought about anything like that. So my first inclination would maybe be giving someone a high five. Oh, okay. I like it. I thought maybe you'd, you'd do a thumbs up. You could do a thumbs up, but the high five seems friendly, seems relevant from the 80s. So it seems like we high fived each other a little more than, than earlier decades. I like it. I like it. And I don't know if anybody has a statue that they're high fiving. So maybe it would make it uh, unique. There you go. All right. Well, on this podcast, Rob and I will cover and discuss all things 80s and 90s, from music and movies to television and pop culture. We'll do this by compiling lists for each episode of the selected topic, hopefully creating some fun and nostalgia along the way. And for this episode, we will be discussing music from 1988. Rob, why do you think we, or I, because I came up with this show idea, why do you think I picked 1988? I think you picked 88 because it was the year we met. That is part of it, yes. Um, on top of us meeting, it was just a big year, I would say transition year of my life in general. So we moved, I met you, and I started a new school and started junior high. So junior high is like one of those big, going from elementary to junior high is one of those big bridge years where school is a lot different than it was. And, and growing up, that would have been, what, seventh grade for us? Seventh grade. How old, how old are we looking? So when I started seventh grade, I was 12. 12. But throughout 88, I'm 11 and 12 because my birthday's in the same month as yours, August. So, Yeah, I would have been, uh, been fifth, sixth grade, somewhere in there. Yeah, fifth grade. So, because yep. yeah, two years behind me. So, you're going into fifth grade, I'm going into seventh grade. So, for me, 88 has a little more, not that 88's not big for you, but 88 uh, has, on top of us meeting, which is a big deal, mm-hmm. uh, a little more with going into junior high and going to a brand new school. Mm-hmm. So, quite a lot of things going on during that year yeah um yeah for me yeah uh, fifth grade mrs armstrong that's what i remember and um yeah not quite a transition year because i would have transitioned in sixth so yeah so i can't remember obviously when you go to junior high the first time it's a lot different because instead of being in one classroom you go to seven different classes Mm -hmm. And I can't remember many of my teachers from junior high, I'll be honest, but I do remember the vice principal. His name was Mr. Hood, and he was not a very uh, friendly guy. But uh, sometimes you're a vice principal, and you seem like a friendly guy, but I haven't seen you at work, so who knows? <laughs> and you don't deal with junior high kids. You deal with elementary school kids. Yeah, we got, yep, yeah, elementary, up to fifth. Yeah, so see, it's a little, little different attitude. Although nowadays, I don't know. Maybe maybe they are a little. Mm, I don't know. Maybe they have a little more in them know. than they used to. My wife does the middle school, and she loves it. Uh, not me. Well, one of the things I remember getting into junior high is there were some staples in '88 uh, that I distinctly remember 
when I went to school. And for like girls fashion, uh, you could almost book that most girls, I won't say all girls, but most girls would be wearing Keds, uh, the white Keds oh, with the yeah. little mm-hmm. blue Keds on the back. Uh, guest jeans were a big deal. Mm-hmm. And Esprit bags, if you never saw one of these, it's this big, huge like tote bag they would have off their shoulder that carried everything. And it would come in multiple colors, but I, every girl in school had one of those Esprit bags. And for the boys and girls, a lot of acid wash jeans, mm. and then a lot of t-shirts, OP, Quicksilver, Massimo, Why do I, Stussy. Uh, Jordash. Was that, a popular, Jordash. was that a popular brand? I'm sure people wore Jordash. I saw guests more. By the late 80s, maybe guests is popping up more, because Jordash was a pretty middle, middle to early 80s, but oh, still, okay. still a pretty famous brand. So, All right. Well... With all that being said, let's leap back to a time where Nike taught us to just do it. And Yo! MTV Raps debuted to look at our top songs of 1988. Well, grab your bike and let's head on over to Sam Goody. Grab some headphones and tune in for Rob's number 10. All right. My number 10 um, is, you got the right stuff, New Kids on the Block. Now you want New Kids. Bold. So that was November 7th, 1988. It peaked at number three. Um, uh, let's see. Uh, I just remember having uh, to compete with Joey McIntyre for the affection of the girls in Mrs. Armstrong class in uh, in fifth grade. I think my sister had the hat, uh, the whole deal. Um, uh, I'm going to uh, – I, I know in a previous show I made an, a Weird Al uh, um, connection – but uh, Weird Al actually uh, covered this song in 92, um, and it was called The White Stuff, and it was a loving ode to the cream filling in an Oreo cookie. You always find a way to get Weird Al into yeah, the it, situation. Absolutely. So, so yeah, my number 10. So I know I know this song. Uh, everyone knew this song. They were the, like the biggest thing on the planet, obviously, uh, the biggest boy band around at that time. Um, I would say that I... I like the song now, like I listen to it now, and it's got a nostalgic feel to it. But at the time, going into junior high, boys, and I, I don't want to say that wrong because it shouldn't be that <laughs> way, uh, don't weren't listening to New Kids. Um, maybe that wasn't as the coolest band you mm-hmm. could listen to. Uh, it definitely seemed more for like uh, preteen and teenage mm-hmm. girls. Absolutely. But you're in fifth grade, so obviously uh, that could hit for that too. So, But I did listen to the song. I won't say I admitted it out loud. <laughs> But at home, I probably had it on from time to time. So no, I would not have admitted it at the time. Absolutely not. Okay. I'm guilty of yep. listening to new kids as well. Um, and obviously, a bunch of them have gone on to do some stuff, and others haven't done much of anything. So, well, that's uh, it's a strong start. Number right. 10. Um, well, before was I that, start. Was that surprising? Did that surprise you? Yeah, I was okay. not expecting right. you to have new kids, but uh, <laughs> you never know. That's why we do this, so we can learn some new things. <laughs> Um, of, yeah, of when I was looking at all the songs, I didn't know that I didn't know you'd go the new kids route. <laughs> so, but that's cool. Um, so before I start, 
uh, as we just spoke about, uh, remember I'm 11 to 12 years old in 1988, finishing sixth grade, mm-hmm. entering the sacred halls of junior high as a badass seventh grader, uh, probably without the badass part. Um, so my list reflects me being that age. Mm-hmm. So my number 10 is Parents Just Don't Understand from DJ Jazzy Jeff right, and The Fresh Prince. Oh, no. We're not pitching a perfect no. game today. <laughs> There's no need to argue. Parents just don't understand. <laughs> So this song, um, obviously, at that age, for a rap song, it was funny. So you start out with it being mm-hmm. really funny. Um, it peaked at number 12 on the Billboard charts. Um, I remember the video. It was, you know, a lot of colors, a lot of things happening. They're dancing around. Premise of the song's pretty it, – it could uh, mean something to a junior high kid. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't want to wear – he doesn't want to wear the wrong clothes because it won't make him cool. He's trying to borrow his parents' car because he wants to impress a girl. So these are all relevant things. So, But interesting thing I found out about this song is that based off of this, the popularity of this song in the video, mm-hmm. this is when NBC greenlit The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Oh, okay. All right. Um, very similar if you look at the video and look at the opening of Fresh Prince mm-hmm, and everything like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the video, very similar styles. Absolutely. Yeah, I just thought he was funny. It was like funny rap. Which is what Will Smith did for a long time. He tried to do some other rap later, but mm-hmm. initially funny. He did another song, Nightmare on My Street, and things that. like that. I wouldn't say they were spoofs, but they were rap songs that were, you know, had a little more funny, funny element to them. Yeah, I think the clean rap element was something that was different at the time. Well, you do the clean rap because uh, it gets you on the radio for sure, and then mm-hmm. you're going to be guaranteed maybe a little more popularity when you get that airplay. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, all right, that's a good start for you. Uh, my number nine is uh, Kokomo by the Beach Boys. Aruba, Jamaica, ooh, I wanna take you Bermuda, and that was uh, June 21st, nine, uh, 88. Um, and a couple things I learned about this song is uh, it was the band's first original top 20 single. I would have thought with as big as that band was um, that uh, they would have had Bigger hits, but uh, it was their first number one hit in 22 years, um, and it was their final 40, uh, top 40 hit. And uh, you rem- do you remember the video? I do remember the video. Do you remember who makes a cameo? Of course I remember who makes a cameo. Uh, who makes a cameo? And it's Uncle Jesse. That's right. He's back John there Stamos. playing the uh, steel drums. Oh, I, thought I was going to say bongos or something, but he's it playing is, the drums. Well, I think something. He's, he's doing Yeah, he's percussion. between steel yeah. drums and bongos, I believe. Uh, do you remember the soundtrack that this was on? Of course I remember the soundtrack. Which one was that? It was the cocktail soundtrack. All right. Okay. Um, I'm not super fam- uh, familiar with the movie itself, but I remember owning the soundtrack, and it was on a pretty heavy rotation in our house. So, um, yeah, so that's my number nine, Beach Boys, Kokomo. A lot of people own that soundtrack. Um, big soundtrack that year. So, And if you haven't seen that movie, go cue it up because it's <laughs> a fantastic movie. Probably the best movie you'll ever watch about bartending, for well, sure. Well, I, I found a review on Cocktail, and the question was, is Cocktail a good movie? And, and the yes re- would be the answer. The review starts, cocktail is a lot of things. And then it goes on to say so. Yeah, and a lot of those things are good. So <laughs> That's my number um, nine, Co- Kokomo yeah. Beach Boy. Again, best bartending movie you're going to see. Beach Boys. You know, uh, another good thing about that song is that parents liked it because they brought the Beach Boys back. And parents loved the Beach Boys, our parents, from that time frame. I know my parents did. So when they hear a song like that on the radio and it's new, they think... Oh, okay. Well, that's 
you know, that's not offensive. That's a good song because we like the Beach Boys. Right. Well, my number nine is Waiting for a Star to Fall by Boy Meets Girl. What? No. Yeah. It's us. I love this song. I didn't. I didn't see that one. Didn't see that one coming. At all. So I... This song is, to me, this is just a great pop song. It's got a great chorus. I love singing along to it. Anytime I hear it, it just feels like a really good pop song. Um, and some interesting things I found out about this song. The group that wrote it, Boy Meets Girl is a pair. They wrote it after being at a Whitney Houston concert and seeing a star fall. So they wrote the song. They gave it to Belinda Carlisle. She recorded it, but she didn't like it. So she kicked it off her album. They recorded it themselves. Uh, reached number five in the U.S. chart and number two in Canada. So the Canadians know how good that song is. <laughs> yeah, I don't even know what to say about that. I, I, the song is vaguely familiar, but I would not have even been it on my It is radar. a tremendous pop song. Like, it has one of the best Tremendous choruses. is a strong word. No, it's not. I love that song. And every time I hear it driving, I will crank it up. It is, it's so memorable, and it just takes me back to 88. A lot of um, listening to that in my room, listening to in the car, things like that. It's just, wow. it was just a fun pop song, and I like fun pop songs. So, uh, yes, waiting to waiting for a star to fall. So check wow. it out if nice. you haven't listened. Wow, nice job. That was a good one. Uh, my number eight is uh, "Don't Worry, Be Happy," Bobby McFerrin. Pretty, pretty iconic song. song it's been around for a long time. Yeah. This song, I, so yes, very popular song and got a great message. But I got so tired of that song. <laughs> also off the cocktail soundtrack. It is off the uh, exactly. Um, but I got so tired of that song when it came out. I mean, it's quirky and it was cool the first couple times you hear it, and then at least at that age, I just was like, I, yeah, I just don't want to listen to that song anymore. Um, yeah, uh, it was the first acapella song to reach number one. Uh, it was the cocktail movie. We talked about that. It knocked Sweet Child of Mine by Guns N' Roses out of number one. Um, it won a Grammy for Song of the Year, Record of the Year, and Best Male Pop Vocal. Um, yeah, I just this is another one I remember being on heavy rotation, and the video had Robin Williams and uh, Bill Irwin, who's the dad from uh, The Grinch. Um, so, yeah timeless i think it, it's got still kind of a timeless message to yeah it, robin williams and that other guy were kind of dancing around yes. silly and they were wearing clothes that were way too big for him i think yes is that what happened yep yeah so look good song i look back on it that's not a song i listen to now like it's not something i look for if i hear it on the radio i'll be like oh i remember that song but again i think they overplayed it and it drove yeah. me nuts that's so true. again i wouldn't have expected you to have that song but <laughs> you have also surprised me um i thought about a lot of songs but Bobby McFerrin was um, not one of them. Seemed like an older song too, like young adult or yeah. adult contemporary yep. type song. I agree. I but agree. yes, very very popular on the pop charts. Well, my number eight is "Look Away" by Chicago. What? Okay, I didn't know this one. Yeah, this is a great song. So this. Go ahead. What, I was going to say, what era of Chicago is that? That's so the, this that's is not the um, post Peter Cetera. Peter so look, Cetera. I love Chicago with Peter Cetera. I really like Chicago without Peter Cetera. So um, Peter Cetera made some of those early '80s songs iconic as they were, but without Peter, they still had some good songs. This is mm-hmm. a this is a good song. Um, 
But this is, again, another very catchy type pop song. And Chicago kind of bounced back with this after mid-early mid 80s. They had some big success, but lost Peter. And then they came back with this song. And I just remember this. What I really remember it from is every Sunday, the KCK is from Top 40. And this would be all over that Top 40. So it seems like a Top 40 song. But uh, yeah, so I'm a Chicago fan. And so I really like this song. And I just remember listening to it a lot. When we first moved in, it was on on my radio because all I had in the room was the radio. And so I'd listen to it, Casey Kasem, Top 40, and uh, Chicago. Can't go wrong with Chicago. Yeah. you. Our lists are wildly different this time. This is good. That is good. good. Well, and I think, again, with our age, like when True. we did 92, although we were still two years apart, we're closer in teenage years mm-hmm. to some of the things we liked than mm-hmm. now where you're nine and 10 years old or 10 and 11 and I'm yep. 11 and 12. Yep. No, I think that's fair. Um, all right. My number seven is uh, Red Red Wine by UB40. Another one that one might make the argument overplayed. No. Well, I'll disagree with that a little. I like that song. You can overplay it a little bit because I'll listen to it anytime it's on. I like UB40. Yeah, it's not bad. So some things about this song. It was originally written, and I didn't know this. It was originally a Neil Diamond song. Uh, written in 1967. Uh, um, it was released in 83 in the UK, and then it made it big in 88 on, on this side of the uh, ocean. Um, and it's uh, Neil Diamond says it's still one of his favorite uh, covers, and he covers it. When he performs it, he performs it in the, the way that UB40 uh, presented it. So, uh, yeah, my number uh, number seven is Red Red Wine. Yeah, super UB40. catchy song. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's good. They had that... Um is it like, what style is that? That's uh, uh, like reggae, like or in a Bob Marley reggae. type yep. style, but with with that that group. Yeah, the the line in that about the line on the rope, monkey gets it, choked. Uh-huh. Yeah, there's some things going on there, yep. but yeah, it's uh, it's they got that whole rap line in the middle. It's very memorable as I don't remember it right now, but um, if I heard the song, I would sing along with it. But um, yeah, that's a good. Didn't that originally come out in like 19? 19- 83 or 84? I thought it came out earlier. No, that's what it said. It came out, uh, well, it said it came out in 83 in the UK, and then it was re-released in 88, and that's when it hit the, so it might be stretching the rules there a little bit. No, there's no, I think it's it's good. Did UB40 do it both times? Um, Yeah. So they let it out in 83. It didn't do so hot, so they Mm -hmm. brought it back in 88, and Mm -hmm. then it hit. Maybe it was ahead of its time. Mm -hmm. Red, red wine. It's a good song, though. Yeah. That's um, a good pick. I don't. I, think I remember it's that being played. on a lot of mixtapes, and you know, that was one we traded. That was on a mixtape. So. Oh yeah, can't go wrong with a mixtape. So, well, my number seven. Uh, now that I have to follow up, red red wine, is never going to give you up by Rick Astley. Oh. That's a good one. So obviously, this is famous now for being the Rick Roll situation, mm-hmm. right? So that's what it's become. Uh, that hit number one on the Billboard in twelve on twelve March of nineteen eighty eight was for two weeks. It was number one, so uh, it was not. Uh, it it's become a meme, mm-hmm. and I think now it's become one of those songs where it's like people somewhat make fun of it. But it's really a good song. He's a really good singer, mm-hmm. and I remember the first time I heard it, I heard it on the radio, and I was like, "That's a catchy song. I really like it." And then I saw the video, and the Rick Astley didn't match the voice. I thought was what I heard on the radio. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my, uh, my kids actually talk about it now. It's kind of, like you said, it's kind of had a re... Uh, well, the Rick Roll, yep. 
rebirthed it. So it became yep. a standing joke for years. You'd open a meme or you'd open an mm-hmm. email or whatever, and they'd hit you with that Rick roll. And so he became, but it's made him famous for generations because mm-hmm. of that. So I don't know if everybody goes back and listens to the whole song or just knows the Rick roll part. Right. But it's really funny. I they actually did a thing on f- the Family Guy. I thought was really funny. They were doing a flashback thing where it looked like Back to the Future, and they said. Um, he does the phone call, and in the original, they say it's your your cousin, you know, Marvin Bear or Marvin Barry instead. Mm-hmm. You know, in this one, he goes, "It's your cousin Marvin, Marvin Astley," and he goes, "You know that sound you're looking for? Listen to this," and it's playing the the Rick Roll, <laughs> right? So the Rick Astley song, but I think it's a great song. Um, maybe it, people think it's too poppy. It's it's very produced poppy, so I got that, but it's memorable to me. I think it's good, and whether it's a Rick Roll or whether you just want to listen to it. Uh, I think it's worth. I think it's worth it every time you hear it. I think it's a fun song. I like it. He's got a lot of mileage out of it. That's for sure. He he has lived off of that song. He can live off it for the rest of his life. Absolutely. All right. Uh, my number six is um, previously mentioned. Uh, parents just don't understand. You just have to jump and the So we did cross over with what we did. Is that the only one we've crossed over so far? So far. All right, uh, some things about this song that I didn't know, that it won a Grammy Award for Best Rap Performance in ni- at the 1989 Grammy. I didn't, I didn't know that. But, um, uh, watching the video, um, he, it appears that he tries to pick up a 12-year-old runaway working as a prostitute. Oh, 100%. Okay. I so that was sure not that good. I didn't misunderstand that. No, so. no. In fact, the lyrics talk about how it says she's a 15-year-old mm-hmm. runaway or whatever she is. And so, oh no, there's a lot of bad things going on there. Um, looking back on that video now, it doesn't uh, doesn't pass the smell check, hundred percent. And he didn't but get he didn't get in a lot of trouble. No, he, he they got, put he got, that video out in '88, and everybody was fine with it. It was on MTV like during normal hours. It was a very popular video, and he's picking up an underage girl <laughs> and driving, uh, and everyone's like, "Yeah, that's fine. That seems fine." Yeah, and that's probably not fine now. Probably wasn't fine then. <laughs> But everybody thought it was just funny, so they let it go, I guess. Yeah, I guess. I guess. I it's, it was it's, the 80s. So. It's definitely got a cringe factor to it now when you watch the video mm-hmm. and, you, and you listen to the lyrics. Because the lyrics are in there saying, but the lyrics also talk about how his parents beat him on the way home. They did. And so they don't. there's yeah. not a lot of songs about beating no. children anymore either. So No. Well, my number six is one that you also already mentioned, Ooh. and that is also going to be Kokomo yeah. from the Beach Boys. I was, I was hoping, I kind of was going to be shocked if you didn't have Kokomo. Yeah. So the thing about Kokomo is that obviously I like it. It's one that I can't listen to too much because it's another one that they played a lot. So, um, but you mentioned the cocktail soundtrack. Mm -hmm. So I got the cocktail soundtrack for Christmas. My parents don't know (laughs) anything about music on this planet. They stopped listening to music, I think, about 1981, 82, and they said everything after that was garbage, right? Mm-hmm. So all they listened to is 50s, 60s, 70s. And then in my stocking, I get the cocktail soundtrack. And I'm looking at it. Who bought this? Like, how did they even know? And I didn't ask for the cocktail soundtrack. I'm going to tell you right now, I wasn't even tracking that I wanted that tape. <laughs> um, but after I got it, I did plug it in. And for a while, I had that thing memorized from front to back. I would do homework or something, and I would just have it on in the background. And I mean, you got... Little Richards on that thing. You got the Bobby McFerrin. You got Kokomo. The fabulous Thunderbirds. Yeah. There's a lot of songs on there. And so to this day, I still don't know why or who decided. <laughs> My dad didn't even go to the mall, but somehow he wandered into a music area and was like, you know what? 
David needs? He needs the cocktail soundtrack. And maybe they saw that movie. I don't know. Uh, originally, I wasn't allowed to see that movie. My mom thought it was too racy. So uh, I saw it in a friend's basement. He had an older brother, and we got to watch videotapes he would rent. So that's how I saw a cocktail. But uh, yeah, so I got the cocktail soundtrack, so I wore Kokomo out quite a bit in 1988. No, I, very similar story, because I don't remember ever seeing the movie or why I would have ever gotten the soundtrack. So uh, as a fifth grade, sixth grader. Did you have the soundtrack too? I did. I had the cassette. Did our dads just wander into Fred Meyer and say, hey, I need to get something. Yeah, I'm going to get that too. That, let's looks, just, that looks good. Let's just get Tom Cruise. He was in Top Gun. Maybe, oh, yeah. maybe the kids think he's good, right? <laughs> uh, interesting. Interesting that I ever got that tape, but I had it for a really long time. So, All right. Uh, my number five is uh, Bad Medicine, Bon Jovi. Um, I, I didn't feel it would be an 88 list without some Bon Jovi. Yeah, you got a Bon Jovi, right? So the pride of New Jersey. That's right. Uh, and that was um, uh, September of 88, reached number one on the Billboard uh, Hot 100. Um, and I just, what mid-80s list would be complete without a Bon Jovi hit? Yeah, um, that song was obviously everywhere. Um, I would say in general, when you're talking about Bon Jovi, that goes into that hairband area. Mm-hmm. And 87, 88 is really where like that was starting to be the thing, you know, with the Motley Crue's, all of them. And obviously Bon Jovi fell into that. Um, but it's a good song. I mean, there's nothing nothing I don't like about it. I just, it was everywhere. Um, they played it. And that video was on four times an hour on MTV. So I think it was one of those classic, they're like putting uh-huh. on a concert and they filmed yep. it. Yep. That's the best. Those are the best videos yeah. in the eighties where they just filmed the concert because they, no, they had a couple of them like that. There's no production value. You don't have to pay for anything. No. You just take stock footage, mm-hmm. and they're always showing them getting girls and all these other mm-hmm. things. So, but um, yeah, yeah, bad medicine, Bon Jovi. Yep. Uh, yeah, that's uh, definitely that's definitely an '88 song. Very mm-hmm. sounds very '88ish. Well, my number five um, is not a hairband song. It is "Roll with It" by Steve Winwood. What? I did not pick you as that Steve Winwood guy. I love Steve Winwood. <laughs> so good. Well, you like Chicago, so. Do you know how I know Steve Winwood's good? Because that <laughs> dude for like 20 years opened for Tom Petty. Every okay. time okay. Tom Petty went on the road. So Tom Petty, every time he was getting ready to go on a tour, he's like, hey, call up Steve. Tell him we're going. So Steve doesn't even headline his own stuff. He just waits for Tom's call, and then he hits the road. So Steve Winwood. uh I like all the Steve Winwood songs. If you go and listen to Valerie and a couple others, those mm-hmm. are he had great songs in the eighties. But this was number one for four weeks from July and August in eighty eight. Um, and he's he might sound adult contemporary for some people, but again, Valerie back in the high life again. This roll with it, such good songs. And I was supposed to see Steve Winwood. I was very excited. We couple years back, several years back now, uh, we went to the Gorge for a Tom Petty concert, and you know who's opening, Steve Winwood. <laughs> and we went with Jennifer and Jesse. Uh, but our babysitter, which was my wife's mother, my mother-in-law, she was a little late that day, so we got out of town late, got to the gorge late, and I missed all of Steve, Steve Winwood's set. And I've always been a little disappointed to this day that I did not get that full <laughs> live Steve Winwood experience. There, there can't be many people out there that are saying that harbor resentment because they missed the Steve Winwood set. It's not resentment. It's just, 
uh, you know, just being a little upset because I okay. wanted to see him live. Like I wanted to look. I'm gonna I'm gonna hurt your feelings here. I wanted to see him live more than I wanted to see Tom Petty. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> I did. I mean, Whoa. I like Tom Petty, but I really did want to see okay. Steve Winwood. So. All right. We'll give that to you. All right. Uh, my number four is a uh, smooth criminal, Michael Jackson. Yeah, this is. Uh, it, they did it like a twenty gangster yes, video or 30s, something. Thirties. Have the white suits. Annie, are you okay? Yep. Kind of known for the anti gravity kind of lean thing the dancers did. Um, it was a cool video. One thing that I thought was kind of neat is uh, it was the seventh single from the Bad album, so that was kind of a that was a big deal. That album had a lot of songs come out of it. Um, I'm not a huge Michael Jackson fan, but I just think this is I personally think this is one of his best stuff. So um, it was you know covered what? by Alien Ant Farm. And yeah, I will tell you, I actually like, I almost like the Alien Ant Farm cover. I, I agree. If if as much, I might like it a little better, which might be blasphemy to some people. But I really like the Alien Ant mm-hmm. And if you watch that video, the whole video is dedicated to Michael Jackson. The the streets are lighting up like they do in Billie Jean. Mm-hmm. Um, they've got the chimpanzee with a diaper on. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just, I think the whole video is great. And just the way that they redid it and did that cover, it's a top. I would say that's a top cover for me. That's a really good, no, that, a really good song. So, um, and it had something to do with uh, he had done a mo- Moonwalker. It was a, it was a movie. I never saw it, but it was some kind of a Michael Jackson movie. And this was yeah. So anyway. I was less on, so I knew this song. I didn't listen to it a ton then because by the late 80s, I was less on Michael Jackson than I was in the mid to early 80s. Mm-hmm. I guess um, maybe I was just listening to some different stuff. I knew a lot of his songs were out, but like the Dirty Dianas and this, yeah. I heard them on the radio. I just, I didn't have, like I didn't have the Bad album or anything like that. Yeah. So I had gotten, and I didn't really like Bad, that song in general. Mm-hmm. I didn't think it was that great, but uh, not a terrible song. I, I, I probably, will add that... Uh, probably not as good as Steve Winwood, but oh, a good song. Oh, I don't know. Steve Winwood. <laughs> I love Steve Winwood. Oh, okay. What's when you're number? done, go cue up Valerie <laughs> and tell me you don't have fun listening to that song. So, Well, my number four is Wild Wild West Ooh. by The Escape Club. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, this is a great song. Great 80s song. This sounds like the, this sounds like the 80s. Yeah. Like with the synthesizer mm-hmm. and with just the way the lyrics are, there's they do like sound effects in the background. There's like a gunshot going off, and these and they're like I, they make that scooch sound like when Scooby Doo runs out of ski mm-hmm. a screen on TV or something. So uh, no, I remember listening to this a lot. It was just I had it on tape, and I I still like it. It's just it's a fun song. It's kind of like uh, what I told you about earlier with waiting for a star to fall. Just mm-hmm. a fun pop song that I like to sing along with. And at that time, I was just uh, really into. Um, it's quirky. It sounds new wave. Um, and again, with the sound effects. Um, but uh, And who who doesn't like a line like, she's so mean, but I don't care. Because that's <laughs> the line that leads into the chorus. So. And I, I remember the video being just as weird. There was like a oh, split yeah. screen mirror image yeah. thing. and yeah. Well, you had to do weird videos in the 80s so MTV that's would true. play them. Because if you just do something where you're standing there, unless you're a hairband. That was hair VH1. Band. That's for VH1. Yeah, if you're a hairband, you could stand on stage and sing. As long as you were showing that you were like scoring with girls mm-hmm. and you're drinking and all these other things. Because those were the popular things for hairbands. Partying and uh, ladies, right? So, <laughs> But yeah, number four, Wild Wild West. That's uh, a good pick. Great song. No, that is a fun one. 
Uh, my number three, I think, is a very underrated song. It's uh, Cult of Personality by, uh, um, yeah, I'm sorry, uh, Living Color. Yeah, that's really good, actually. I, this is, uh, this is uh, regular in my uh, workout treadmill uh rotation yeah. i think it's just a great song so it uh, came out in 88 uh july of 88 uh reached number 13 um won a grammy for best hard rock um the thing that i saw uh, it said it was selected for inclusion in the musical reference book 1001 songs you must hear before you die and 10,001 you must download and i think I, it's a great song i debated that song a lot um i would say that I'd say they were ahead. If they were two to three years later with that uh-huh. song, they probably land right in with uh, a lot of those other bands like Red Hot Chili Peppers, yes. things like that. But uh, in '88, maybe we weren't. Uh, everyone wasn't quite ready for mm-hmm. the uh, that hard alternative type rock sound. But that's yeah. a good song. I it didn't make my list, but um, I I went over it a lot of times. So I mean, obviously, hearing my list, it, it couldn't have bumped out some of these you know great songs I have waiting for a star to fall. Um, Steve Winwood, you know, things like that. So it was, it just couldn't climb over there. It was too good, but, um, it is a solid song. I, I have it still on a playlist today. So I, I won't lie. I had it actually as my number one and then I, I had to move it. So it went from I, one to three. <laughs> that's a fall. Yeah. That's a far fall. Yeah. I second guess myself. Something, something upset you in the middle of that. <laughs> and, uh, you're like, I love that song, but not that much apparently. So, well, I have to follow that up now because that was a good one and I should have had it on my list, but just couldn't get there. So my number three is someone who was everywhere in 88 and 89. It is My Prerogative by Bobby Brown. He had a few. Well, that whole Don't Be Cool soundtrack was unstoppable for two years. I remember my dad actually liking this song. You're No. Yes. That makes zero sense. I think he liked the, because it's my prerogative. I think he liked the. My my seminal memory of that song is riding the bus to school. I swear <laughs> yes. every morning it would come on the radio yes. while I was on the bus. And so I had my headphones, but being how it was in the 80s, late 80s, I would not have changed my batteries the right way. So it would run out on me while I was riding to school or something. So I had to get better at putting new batteries in. But um this would always be on the radio because the bus driver would have the radio station on and he played Z100, which was nice because he was an older guy, so he could have played anything, but he went with that. So my biggest memory is listening to this on the radio. But at the time, as a cool 12-year-old, I thought, hey, look, my prerogative, he sounds defiant, he does whatever he wants. As a young, just becoming a teenager, I'm like, yeah, that's me. That's what I'm going to do. Um, it's not what I did at all, but you know, in my brain, that sounded good. And I really wanted to dance like him, but I realized really quick that I was not blessed with any rhythm, so I couldn't dance like him in that video at in, all. In the video, didn't he have a he the uh, overalls, black overalls, no, no I shirt? Think, Those I had think a he had one? no shirt with like no. some silver looking pants. Yes, and his haircut, he had the Gumby where it's like, <laughs> you know, yeah. a forty five yep. degree angle, and yep. he had some shaved uh, letters or something mm-hmm. in the side. He might have had suspenders with the no shirt with that silver. If I go back and watch something. that video again, I'm gonna guess suspenders are involved. So not overalls, but I'll say suspenders. That was a good pick. He had a couple that year. Yeah, don't be Great cruel, Rony. So, well, this went number one. Actually, it came out in 88, but went number one 
in January of 89. So it was on the charts for a long time before it finally got to number one. But super popular. I remember this all around school. Mm-hmm. Everyone loved this song. Um, just a classic. Every dance I went to in junior high, my prerogative is coming on. So that that's your fast song you're going to dance to. Ah, good pick. Good pick. All right. So we're down to number two. My number two... Uh, uh, I got down to my number one and two, and I had a hard time. So my number uh, one is Sweet number Child. Number one? Or my number two, sorry, is uh, Sweet Child of Mine, uh, Guns N' Roses. Ah, okay. thought you were going to spoil the number one early. No. This is my number two. Number two. Yeah, so I have that, a hard time understanding that at number two, so I'm uh, interested to see your number one. Cause uh, so that came out in June of 88. Uh, it came right on the heels of uh welcome to the jungle it was it is this is surprising it's the band's only u.s number one single i thought they had they had to have a big one but uh november rain only went to number three so this yep. is their number one no, um, this was it. the killer the guitar solo is killer oh, um and it's I, the best i think it's actually an under well i don't know if it's underrated but an underrated song uh song lyrics as no. far as songwriting goes i thought it's a great song no this is a fantastic song you can't uh again at number two i'm 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 very interested in your number one now because uh, I've I know what came out in '88, so to see something above that from your list, I'll be shocked. Uh, but mm-hmm. yeah, you can't go wrong with that. Um, you got to remember the video, right? So he did like that sidewinder dance mm-hmm. where he kind of went back and forth. So everybody tried to emulate that after you saw Axl Rose do it on mm-hmm. that video. But yeah, that's I mean I can't say anything other than that's a great song. So. Um, uh, in my notes over here, I have uh, if we ever do a show on um, worst covers. We'd have to, we couldn't leave off Cheryl Crow's '99 cover of this song. I've never heard that, so I'm going to yeah. take your word for it. It's on the Big Daddy Center. I don't think anyone should cover this song, but <laughs> that's fine. I don't know what you would do with it to make it any better. I don't even think you could do anything to equal it. So I'm going to assume that's a dumpster fire. Yeah, um, and I'll stay away from that. And I, I like Cheryl Crow for the songs that she's good at singing, but I don't know that redoing this song is worth it. But uh, yeah, I will. Uh, I will take your advice and avoid that one for sure. Well, my number two. Also falls in the rock genre, and that is going to be Pour Some Sugar on Me by Def Leppard. That's a good pick. I had them on, they're on my cutting room, but. So when I, I distinctly remember this song because when I moved to the new house, we got moved in, we got cable hooked up, and this was on. Before, before this, uh, I didn't listen to a ton of, I guess, rock and roll. If you want to argue if this is rock or not, if you're a hardcore rock fan, you say, well, this is that hair band, whatever. To me, at 12 years old, this was rock music. And really, before this, I was a lot of the pop music. So I did a lot of the top 40. I mean, mm-hmm. a Van Halen would creep in or whatever. But after this, then I started looking around at Motley Crue, Poison, things like that. And so this really opened me up to that. And I just really liked this song. And it was everywhere the summer of 88. When I moved into your neighborhood... The song was everywhere, and it it peaked at number two on the Billboard charts, but the video was everything. I mean, if you watch mm-hmm. that video, I'd never seen Def Leppard, and they've been around, obviously, I found out later, they've been around a while, but I just hadn't heard them. But, you know, the lead singer's in shredded acid wash jeans. Mm-hmm. He's got on, like, a sleeveless T-shirt. There's hair everywhere. Apparently, the drummer has one arm, um, so there's a lot of things going on in that video, but it's another awesome video where it's just them, like, either warming up on stage or doing the concert, and you see the audience, and those were my favorite 80s videos where they just do the concert videos so you can see all the fans cheering. But, yeah, this song was everywhere, and everyone loved it, whether they want to say it or not. Um, so this is just a, uh, I mean, Hysteria, the album, 
uh, was like one of the biggest things on the planet. There were a couple summer. that came off. So, yeah, Armageddon's a really good song. Rocket was a really good song. And Love Bites, which was one of their biggest yep. songs, I think. But um, yeah, we're going to do a show later with hair bands, and so we'll probably get more into Sweet. some of those types of songs. But yeah, That's Pour exciting. Some Sugar on Me. Uh, and when I was 12, I had no idea that that song was about anything other than sugar. Uh, now that I'm older, I listen to those <laughs> lyrics and I say, uh, wow, I really was ignorant to what was going on there. Um, I, I don't know. I think I'd heard somewhere along the line that, um, I, you know, Def Leppard was, was kind of um, uh, pegged as kind of being a soft band. And it was, a you know, but I'd heard that their partying w- rivaled some of the, the big the big name bands. Yeah, there was the rumor. So uh, if, if kids are listening, leave the room. But there's a rumor that during the concerts, uh, they had a little like pod or, or something below the stage. And when the drummer or not the drummer, but the guitarist, the lead singer, and then would take breaks, they'd go under the stage and the roadies would have groupies for them under the stage. So they're upstairs playing a set or one of the songs and they're under the stage enjoying the fruits of their success <laughs> the uh, of their labor. Um, under the stage. So okay. I don't know that I think that was a behind the music thing. So it's gotta be true. Uh, I don't know if you remember those behind the musics, but that told me everything about those bands from the eighties and they were all super crazy. So, but uh, so, yeah. so that was your number two. That was my number two. Okay. I'm in the same boat. I'm, I'm curious to see your number one. Well, so. before we reveal our number ones, we like to do a fun segment we call The Cut Line. For this segment, we will each identify two songs that just fell out of our top 10, and then we'll also identify a song as an honorable mention. This is a song that you missed the first time around and perhaps found years later, but would have easily been in this top 10 had you listened to it at that time. So now that we know the rules, hopefully you followed them, because you tend to stray off yeah, on some of these sometimes. lists. But you can go ahead and give me your two cuts. All right. My first cut is um, Straight Out of Compton by NWA. Really good. So it came out July 10th of 88. It's on Rolling Stone's list of greatest 500 songs of all time. Um made it to the top 40 uh, 24 years after with the release of straight out of compton the movie um my memories of this i remember standing at the bus stop in my fake starter jacket um, wait, wait a minute you in fifth grade were listening to this at the bus stop yes i re- i clearly remember uh wow i know we had mislabeled mixtapes that we would that some of my friends would burn for me and then we would mislabel them because if my parents ever caught me listening to this, that would oh, be yeah. the end of me. So yeah. this is the first uh, parental advisory labels. That's the first time, I think, first time I'd heard that. Um, I, I shouldn't have been listening. You. I should not have been no, listening to great. it. <laughs> I just can imagine you in fifth grade standing on that corner just dropping those F-bombs and like <laughs> rapping along. Like, and singing about Compton, you have no idea where that is, right? And now we know where it's in California stuff. But at the time, we don't know that. I didn't know no. it was Los Angeles or any no. of those things. So you just this, you know... You know, gangster fifth grader standing on the corner just hitting NWA because you were their target audience. The, the, the fifth I was grade the, suburban the, white guy, <laughs> target audience for NWA. The mean streets of Milwaukee. The mean streets of Milwaukee. Home of the so, Bing Cherry. I look, that song is great. I know it now. I never listened to it at that time. Mm-hmm. I probably didn't hear it until 10 years later. Um, I'd heard of NWA, but I was one of those bands like Two Live Crew that I was not allowed to. Uh, yeah. And I didn't know anybody that had it, so I couldn't sneak a listen. So. No. Uh, Easy E was another version of that too. Yep. But um, 
yeah, that's a good song. I started listening to it way later, and it's if I do a rap playlist, that's a pretty staple mm-hmm. song mm-hmm. in that uh, rotation. And, so. and it might say something about the people I was hanging, the friends I was hanging out with at the time that were feeding. Yeah, old so. Hector Campbell Elementary. <laughs> since the, you were hanging out with that bad seed that ran around the fifth that's grade right. halls, right? That's right. At the old Hector Campbell. That's right. right. Uh, so my second cut line song is Fast Car, uh, Tracy Chapman. No, no. Oh, you still want to listen. Not batting. You like the NWA so much, we're just going to keep <laughs> listening to it. Let's do it. Um, no, Fast Car, Tracy Chapman. You know, through my research, I could have swore this song came out in the 90s because I didn't hear it till way later because uh-huh. obviously I wasn't a big Tracy Chapman fan, yeah. but... I come to find out this came out in 88. I never heard this song in 1988. I don't know if it was on the radio or what, but I just never heard it. Yeah, I uh, came out in April of 88. Uh, it's number 71 on the 2000, uh, 2021 Rolling Stone 500 Best Songs list. Um, I just remember it being very different. I don't know that I understood it at the time, but I it was a lot different than what was out there at the time. Everything was kind of poppy, and yeah. and this was very folky, and um, but it was still getting airtime. So, yeah. Fast Car, Trace Chapman. Definitely interesting song. Well, my first cut, you're going to love these two because they're just really good. My first one is by a young rapper named Tone Loke, and it is called Wild Thing. So, again, I kind of knew what this song was about, but not 100%. So, I'm just singing along with it. You know, again, that's probably a bus stop uh, bus song for me as well. Um, I had the cassette single of that. I do know I picked that up. But, uh, yeah, and then he wrote another song, Funky Cold Medina, which if you listen to is basically this song, the just with different song. lyrics. The beat is really not even close mm-hmm. to different. Like, it's not even in the ballpark. I mean, he didn't even try it, but he was so successful with the first one, he was like, mm, why why mess with a good thing and do that? And then, of course, later he came famous, and he was in the first Ace Ventura movie. Uh-huh. He was his friend, the... Um, detective that was helping him out when he mm-hmm. asks him a few questions right so <laughs> but yeah tell no wild thing do you remember the wild thing in fifth grade i do remember that one all right that would have been cool to see fifth grade just belting out <laughs> wild thing N- not understanding probably anything they were talking about so well my second cut is probably better than the first cut and that <laughs> is by millie vanilli girl oh, wow. you know it's truth that's 88 was it wow came out in the summer of 88 so I'm going to tell you something about Millie Vanilli. Look, we know the story. They got caught lip syncing. These two guys, they got two pretty guys, had them do the songs, had other people sing them. I got it. But you know what? It, nowadays, I don't even know that that would matter because a lot of people lip sync now. With auto-tune and all that that's out now. That's a good point. At that time, I think they just got a bad rap because you didn't do that then. But if they were alive now, I think no one would even care. I think Millie Vanilli would hit. And whether you were upset that they lip synced, whether you boycotted them when it was done, they won Grammys for that. And that summer into 89, those dudes were everywhere. I mean, they were on every show. They were on every channel you could go to, MTV, nonstop. Those songs were popular. And if you were in 88 and you said you didn't listen to it, I'll believe you a little bit. But for the most part, I think you're probably telling a fib. Mm-hmm. No, that's a great pick. I don't know. Yeah, I'd. I don't think that even made my list anywhere. So that was good. Good call. Yeah. Well, good Steve call. Winwood hasn't made your list anywhere either. <laughs> so obviously, you didn't look at all the good songs in 1988. Oh. All right. So my honorable mention is uh, it, 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 one more time. Review the rules for honorable mention. So it's a song that came out in '88, mm-hmm. but you didn't hear maybe in '88. 
and a year or two, three years later, whatever it was, you heard it for the first time. You're like, wow, when did, is that a new song? Then you look it up and you're like, oh, wow, that's been out for a while. So, okay. and had you been listening to it, it would have been in this top 10. Okay. All right. So it is Handle With Care by the Traveling Wilbur, October of 88. It's you know, essentially. You're, you're a fifth grader. <laughs> this is like our dad's no, music. It was. Like your I, dad I, had this CD or tape. I he had the tapes. I still own them. Uh, so it was basically a super group at George Harrison of the Beatles, Jeff Lynn, Electric Light Orchestra, uh, Bob Dylan, Roy Erbison, and Tom Petty. And um, I remember it being there and i uh at the time didn't, didn't listen to it. it i didn't listen to it that well, was that was, that was that uh, was grown-up music it was adult music it was. Yeah. Uh, but as i got older and i become uh more accustomed to tom petty and listening to that that's that's a song i would have liked to yeah, have listened to that so. is i mean yeah that's you finally did the rules on that so you got it right <laughs> the honorable mention is definitely this is something i definitely would see you listening to later Yes. Because I don't think fifth grade Rob is going from uh, no. straight out of Compton into the Traveling Wilburys. <laughs> that's a weird transition, right? No, Nobody's doing that. <laughs> no. I don't care what your playlist looks like. That's not <laughs> happening. But yeah, I, this is, I've never listened to the Traveling Wilburys. Like I've never heard that song. So maybe yeah. I should give it a chance uh, down the road. But uh, my parents listened to a lot of Roy Orbison and those, and I was never a big fan, but maybe I should give them another chance. Uh, but I will take your word on that. Uh, well, if you I've like Steve never Winwood. It's got to be kind of in the no. same same Steve vein. Winwood, huh? uh, I would say Steve Winwood's a little more famous than he opened for Tom Penny. Just because there's a Beatle <laughs> in the Traveling Wilburys doesn't mean Steve Winwood is better, or Steve Winwood's not better than them. So, well, my honorable mention mm-hmm. is a great song. It's called "The Promise" Ooh. by Win in Rome. No, I don't know. You don't know it? No. I think if you hear it, you would know it. No. Oh. Good pick. Yeah. So I, I would have thought this was older. Yeah, I would have thought it was older too, but yeah. I looked it up and it was 88. Good and call. I definitely did not listen to this song when it first came out in the 80s, but this is a great song. So I'm going to be honest, when I finally got a hold of this song was Napoleon Dynamite. At the end of Napoleon Dynamite, yes. when they're playing tetherball, this song closes out the movie, and uh, I can remember it from that. And after I heard it there, I looked it up, and I love it because I love Napoleon Dynamite anyway. But this song is—I love this song. So I'm, this would easily been in my top ten. I listen to it now, and it's another great '80s song. It's got the synthesizer, great mm-hmm. chorus. It's just—it's a great pop song. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a really, really good one. Uh, yeah, I would have thought that was much older. So um. I thought it was too. I would thought early '80s because it sounds yep. kind of new wave and yes. those. But definitely not. They brought that sound forward into 1988. And yeah, I missed it the first time around, but uh, I really like that song. I'll always listen to that one. Good call. All right. Is it time for my number one? Time for your number one. The one that's taking out Sweet Child of Mine. All right. I Okay. I, I'm going to guess I know your number one already, but my number one is Every Rose Has Its Thorn by Poison. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> gotta go with the ballad. Um, gotta get all in your feelings on the ballad. Yes. The best description Again. I found for this song is that every rose has its thorn is a power ballad. It is a power ballad by American glam metal band Poison. Again, I just want to see uh, fifth grade Rob <laughs> at the bus stop just going all in on Straight Out of Compton. MF or this, all these like shooting people, all this, and then that next song slides in. <laughs> 
and it's this. It's every rose has its thorn. And you're just like, <laughs> you go from those highs to those lows. This this is a great mix that you've put together here. Yeah, I had I had this cassette tape. I remember playing it while playing Nintendo. I yeah, this is so. This and oh, uh, interesting note. It's their only number one hit in the U.S. Poison was huge that summer. Yeah, but that was their only number so. one hit. Yeah, there's a couple of their songs that made my cutting room floor. But yeah, I had two Poison songs make mm-hmm. my cutting room floor. But um, I I was gonna. I looked at that song, but we have scheduled down the road. We're going to do a ballads, eighties ballads. So I was kind of saving it for that. Uh, I don't think it still would have made my top 10, um, but it's classic. Um, Everybody knows it. They did it in a a Chappelle show, had it in a, one of his sketches. They re re redid that song. So it is uh, lasted a long time. Stand the test of time. Mm -hmm. It has poison. Okay. Gotta love it. Well, my number one, pretty easy. Sweet child of mine. Yep. uh, From, Guns N' Roses. So, can't go wrong with this song. Uh, it's one of my favorite songs all time, let alone just the 80s or 88. So, so my, so my story with this song is this. I moved in, as we've talked about many times, and I had never heard this song. And I didn't really listen to a lot of rock, as we talked about. And I was in my yard, and I had a neighbor next door. She was a year ahead of me in school. She was, yeah, one year ahead of me. Mm-hmm. And... We had met, we had talked, and then I saw her in her backyard. She was with a friend, and they were listening to music. And I heard this song, and I had never heard it. So all my guts I had in the world, I walked over to the fence, and I said, hey, what is that song? And she told me, oh, Sweet Child of Mine by Guns N' Roses. And I'm like, I've never heard it. And her friend looked just stunned and appalled. She was like, how have you never heard of this? Like in one of those voices? Just like I'm the dumbest person that ever walked the earth, right? But I had never heard of it. And she goes, do you like it? I said, I love it. I think it's great. And she said, do you want a copy? So she literally went in the house, made a copy of Sweet Child of Mine, brought it out, and I listened to that. A couple weeks later, I finally got the Appetite for Destruction Mm -hmm. tape, but I listened to this, and I just listened to it. I'd listened to it like 10 times in a row in my room. I just hit play and go. Bus stop, play, go. And I was all about Sweet Child of Mine. And that guitar solo, if you go to four minutes, best one of the best guitar solos I've heard uh, from Slash. So good. And... Everyone now knows Sweet Child of Mine from Step Brothers mm-hmm. um, when his brother, Derek, and his family are in the car and they do the acapella, uh, 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 <laughs> right? So everybody knows it now from that. But yeah, this is... Well, this does, is does it, and Slash makes a cameo in a commercial. It's very popular right now. Yeah, he does. He's, it's like a, one of the insurance yeah, commercials. I think he's playing, or he's riffing this. Yes, because yeah. you should riff this. Yeah. This is yeah. This is number one, easy number one. That's a good number one. This, I think that's fair. This is all think I all think about seventh grade with this. I think about that first year going into junior high. Mm-hmm. I was very excited and um, yeah, sweet child of mine. Always on the radio, always on my headphones, always in my room. Can't go wrong um, with that. So, well, that's a good list. Um, any any songs uh, that made your cutting room floor? Well, something I did want to identify first. Now that yeah. your list is over, yeah. I noticed. That in 1988, Weird Al Yankovic also had a pretty big song, <laughs> and it was Fat, uh, covering I, Bad. I have it. It's queued have it up. Anywhere. It's queued up on my list. It's number one on my you list. had it nowhere on your <laughs> list, and I'm shocked. And I, anyone who's listened to multiple of our episodes would be shocked because you're such a big Weird Al fan. I If, I, um, if you could see my screen, I have it queued up. It's so my number the, one song. Yeah. Of the 100 songs they trapped on the Billboard that year, it was number 99, <laughs> so it was right in there doing good. But you know know what in new zealand it was number three so obviously the kiwis are as infatuated with weird al as you are but yeah fat came out and it was nowhere on your countdown i, I can't believe it, it you can't go wrong 
it's great. I mean, you can go a lot of wrong. <laughs> so, that's no, awful. Uh, my awful. my wife and I watched it this morning, and uh, you we watched, watched we watched what, the video. video. It's awful. Uh, yeah, it it did not age well. No, it's not going to age well. No, so, it, I was, I'm shocked though. I thought at least number ten something. I mean, going <laughs> off your previous thoughts on Weird Al, I was expecting like number four or number three, but you if, know, it didn't make it anywhere. I'm I will shocked. show you my notes, but uh, right before my number ten, I put joke fat Weird Al, and I was going to actually say yeah. It. Well, you I should. Couldn't, because I couldn't pull the trigger. I got gotcha. you. Well, it was there. You missed it. You had every opportunity. So a and couple it's, of and it's highlighted on my cutting room floor. Yeah, a couple other songs I left off that are you know pretty big songs. Uh, Faith, George Michael was yes. huge. A lot of in excess. Uh, Need you tonight in excess. Mm-hmm. You got that. Uh, Wishing well, Terrence Trent Darby, a yeah. big song that year. Simply irresistible. Robert Palmer had all the girls mm-hmm. dancing in the video, and a song I just remember the video for. It was Ragdoll by Aerosmith. Mm-hmm. At the end, he drove down the street, and all the moms or whoever came out of their houses in the suburbs and were waving to him. So obviously, he was a popular guy. But uh, also, the wind beneath my wind wings. That's terrible, Bette Midler. That's the bad song. <laughs> that is the that is such a bad song. When you're 12, it would come on the radio, and I I couldn't get it off fast it's enough. It's just good. so. I mean, you're talking about adult contemporary. Mm-hmm. It's bad. Wasn't that from the Beaches soundtrack or I something? I don't know. It's bad. Pretty sure it's from the I was Beaches shocked soundtrack. that you didn't have a Richard Marx song on your list somewhere. Well, you shouldn't be shocked. Why would I? I I'm not a Richard Marx fan. Well, you, I can tell you one song I like from Richard Marx pretty one? much. Which one? Hazard. Oh, okay. No. And that's a 90s song. But my cousin, she was all about Richard Marx. She had posters in her room. I think she went to a mm-hmm. concert, but... When I would go visit her, it was just Richard Marks. But look, I know the Richard Marks songs. I can sing along with them, but I'm not going to go out of my way to find him. He had a great hair, though. He had a great hairdo. <laughs> can't go can't go wrong with that. So, Well, did you have any others besides no, that? No. Right. no. So that's pretty much, I think we covered everything. So if you, if you were to put all that together, I think you're getting a good shot of what 1988 looked like from a musical standpoint. And that brings us to the end of this episode of Total 80s and 90s Recall. We hope you've enjoyed reliving the songs of 1988 with us. What did we get right or wrong? I'm sure we got many things wrong. Or did we miss something altogether? Let us know on Twitter or our website, which are both included in the show notes. You can also email us at totally80s90s at gmail.com with comments or future show ideas you'd like to hear. Uh, And any emails we get and that, that sound good, we may read on future episodes. Finally, if you like the podcast, please hit that subscribe button, like the show, and share it with your friends because... That will help our show grow. We love doing it, so we want to keep doing it a lot as long as people want to listen to it. Yeah. Um, so what's our homework for next time? Homework for next time. We are doing, in honor of the great holiday of Groundhog Day, we are doing the movie by Bill Murray, Groundhog Day. Uh, just a standalone episode. We're going to talk about that movie, and that's what we're going to do. That sounds exciting. Yeah. So anything else? Nope. That's it. Fancy goodbye? No fancy goodbye. All right.